things, there are things you can find out that, that you wonder how long has this been happening and I've not, not known about it. How long has this been going on? And, and one of the ways I tend to think, I tend to put myself in the place of others and I tend to say, if that were me and I were in that condition or in that circumstance, you would have lived all these years enduring what this individual is enduring, not having known anything else other than what they are enduring now. It moves me to compassion when I begin to look through the eyes of others, when I begin to consider what they're dealing with and what they're going through. So one of the things I was looking at was in the Dominican Republic and the number of 12, 13 year old girls who are selling themselves on the street every night that the only means they have to income is what they can get from the tourists. So they're there and if you have a 12 year old daughter or son or brother because there are also young men involved. And there they are walking up and down the street all night. Some of them live on the street. And there they are relying on the tourists' money. And some of them were getting such few pennies that they had to service many. I know it's graphic, but the church cannot cannot turn its eye to the rest of the world and just enjoy its, its own meetings. We have an obligation. Our first obligation is to prayer. Okay. And if you're financially able, you can go beyond the prayer and begin to give to some charities or ministerial works who are actually in these countries, not just countries abroad, because I'm, I'm, I'm fixated upon helping wherever you can help. So wherever you can help, help. So many of these young girls and little boys were saying that our parents, they know what we're doing. Matter of fact, in some cases, the parents are sending the children out because the parent is saying, I have so many mouths to feed and I can't do it all. So you go out there, little Sarah, and whatever you can bring home to us. And I went beyond that and I began to look at Liverpool, right here in the UK, and in Liverpool, there are certain streets where even the police are aware of the high prostitution. And 99% of the women out there are on heroin or crack or some substance. And several of the persons in this particular case, you would see them as beauty queens before. And once they had walked in that life, their teeth begin to go, their weight falls off, their hair is coming out, they've been beaten and punched and kicked and trapped into a world where that's all that they know. And now they're, they're a shadow of their former selves. Right? That's one city. I could go to city after city and find these types of persons. So, a the responsibility that the church continuously has is praying and physical involvement 
wherever we can. It doesn't matter the numbers. Every person can do something. As I said, the bare minimum would be your intercession. The bare minimum would be to keep these persons in your mind as you're praying. That it may, it is not your physical hand, that, that there is a hand that's there, that God would use somebody to get involved. The Bible tells us to pray the Lord of the harvest, that he would send laborers. So even if you are not the laborer, we're asking God, send laborers. Send someone, Daddy God, on the ground. In Honduras, I had known a Honduran uh, young lady a few years ago who was running from persecution. That was so many years ago that I had literally forgot I'd met that person. Only to look again yesterday and to see that every 13 days there's a woman killed in Honduras either by her spouse or boyfriend. Every 13 days. It's a little over two weeks. <coughs> Murdered in some domestic just like cattle. The police show no regards. It was so painful to, to see the lack of interest in the lives of human beings. One man had attacked, again it's graphic, his wife, chopped off her right leg with the machete, then chopped off her left foot and began to hack Never prosecuted. Never brought to justice, even though they know who did it. People being treated with disregard. If the world is this cruel and uncaring and so calloused, the only compassion comes from the church. We are the only ones who are going to say anything. If you, I can, you can do your, your social experiment. Go outside the door and fall in the street and see how long it takes someone to come to your aid. This, the Bible says that the love of many would wax cold. People's hearts would begin to shut. And if they don't see a direct line of interest, many times they will walk, walk by. Looking at other studied material, there were a group of persons in Kenya, my sister can testify, who lived in the dark in the garbage dump. They were there eating, taking the rubbish, sorting the rubbish, plastic over here, paper over here, oh there's a bit of food. And one man just reached right in to what we would fall back away from. And that was his meal. Whatever he found, he just pulled it out, wiped it off, just ate it like. You don't have to go all the way to Kenya to see that. You can see that in the city center. You can see that right here in Oxford. We're only saying this to show you that this is not a, a, a small thing. This is global. And as the economic divide between those who have and those who have not grows, because it is growing. The gap between the have and the have-nots, it's expanding. More and more persons are pulling away and saying, well, I'm distancing myself 
from that, I'm blessed, I have, uh, that's them over there, and the gap grows and grows and grows. And people are saying, as long as I have, as long as I've got, let them fend for themselves. The, the church, the body of Christ, is not a part of that, has never been a part of that, will never be a part of that. We have to find a way to do as much as we can, every one of us. What can I do more to help? Again, start with your prayers. I don't believe in anything you're not praying about. I don't believe it has a significance. I don't believe it has significance because prayer is the, is the beginning. Prayer is the, is the primal. Prayer is the root. That prayer comes from your desire. Prayer comes from, from, from that place, that love place, that, that initial motivation. We're not going to stay long. We won't even, by the grace of God, because the message is already being preached. The message is our participation. What has God called you to do? What is God touching your heart about now? What does he want from you on the face of this earth? Can I be your first love? Sign God. Can I be the one that holds your attention? Can I be the one that above all else you love me? He's asking. God is asking. And then that love is manifest. I like that word manifest because it means that there's an evidence of. It's not just verbiage. There's an evidence of. I say, Daddy, God, I love you. And he, he looks for the evidence to go with that. First John 4, 16, he says, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. If I step out of myself and step out of my selfishness and I step into the love of God, I am transformed. I am telling you, I am changed. The minute I step out of myself and step into the love of God, something beyond the molecular happens to me. Something happens to my eyes. Something happens to my brain. Something happens to my soul's desire. Something happens to my appetite. What am I? I'm longing for this. I'm, I'm longing for that. But when I step out of self and step into the genuine love of God, I am altered. It's a place I can't get back to where I was, as we were singing today. I can't go back to the way it used to be. I'm, I'm coming into this new place. I want to stay there. I, I'm telling you, I don't want to have so many episodes where each time I come to God, I have to get back to where I left him. I, I don't want to have to always be on my way back to intimacy with God. 
back to a, a prayer that's hot. When was the last time you prayed until your tears ran down hot on your cheeks because of your passion for God? Staying very near that sensitivity level to what, what hurts the heart of God hurts your heart. What catches his eye catches your eye. What, what makes him say, that's, a, that's not the way that should be, makes you say, that's not the way it should be. It's the love of God. I wish I could enter into the mind sometimes of people and just understand what's going on with you. What's happening in your world? Is there any way I can, can reach you for Jesus? Any way I can understand what's happening? Can I help you? I go off on a tangent sometimes like that, just, just looking or speaking to people, trying to say, what is going on with this person? And it seems that the common denominator in every failed relationship, in every misapplication of justice, in every misdirection, in every delay, because sometimes we delay ourselves, the common denominator seems to be this issue, the love of God, and its ability to work without restraint. We who are believers know these texts. We're trying to get these messages from, out, from inside us to outside into the world, from in the church to into the community, from among ourselves to among all that we encounter. We're trying to get this message that God has already initiated the action of love to the whole world. He's, he's already done that. And he's invited us to participate, not to say that's old, but to say that is current tense and continuous. John 3.16, we have read it, we absorb it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was the intention when he gave Jesus that it would be for a purpose. I am not giving Jesus for you to stay where you are. I am not giving Jesus for you to remain in sin. No, I'm giving him with the intention that you come out from there and that you come in here and that you have eternal life and that you not perish. If that was his intention in the beginning, what is his intention now? Except the same thing. Oh God, help us see clearly here. This is the motivation of the heart of the witness for Christ. This should be the single and the highest thing going on in the spirit of the believer as they are dealing with the world. That this love for you, this predetermination for you from God is why I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to you to, to make quote, you quote my personal friend. It's beyond that. That could be included. But beyond that, I am trying to demonstrate to you this love 
from God has been issued to you for the purpose not you staying where you are and perishing but that you come out and have everlasting life. 1 John 4, 16 and we have known and believed. I like the conjunction there. We have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is, there it is again, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him, as we read in the beginning. Herein is our love made perfect, mature, whole, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now that last line, yes, it has been taken out of context. Many persons have taken it out of context and said, I'm God. Because as he is, so am I. That's, that's not the context. The context, as you have read, it is in his love. Dwelling in his love, I am as he is. Dwelling in God, I am as he is. Why? Because that is the divine fellowship. Do you understand? The divine fellowship. When I am in divine fellowship with God as he is, so am I in him. He and I are dwelling in the same place together. In his love. If I said to you, you're in a house with your family or with your friends. Everyone in that house is under that roof. You would say, yes, that's correct. That all of us who are in the house are under the same roof. We are dwelling together. If you were outside of the house, we would say, well, those in the house are under the same roof, but you are on the outside. Once he's brought you to the inside, you are now in him as he wants to be in you. This is the boldness we have. I don't have to wonder, does God hear my prayer? You don't have to wonder. You never have to wonder, does God hear my prayer? Does God hear my petition? Is he listening? Of course he's listening. How can someone inside of you not hear you? Do you not hear your own thoughts? Have you ever caught yourself thinking to yourself? Have you ever caught yourself talking to? Who are you talking to? Oh, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> Why are you talking out loud? Can't you hear yourself on the inside? Of course I can. But there's an affirmation when you speak out what you're thinking. Many times I'll encourage myself. I'll say, come on, Dubois. Get on with it. Come on, man. Hurry up, hurry up. I'm talking to myself. I'm, David said he encouraged himself in the Lord. What was he doing? He was saying, David, don't give up. They want to kill you. Don't give up. They're against you. Don't stop. They're abandoning you. Don't quit. Look around you. They're all against you. That's all right. Stay focused. Keep your focus. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down beside the green waters. He leads me to the green pastures. I'm not going to quit. He's the lifter of my hand. He's my boldness. He is my instruction. He is the opener of my eyes. He's my liberator. He's my justification. He is my peace. Glory to God. Is 
said loud enough. That's what I'm saying. So you will speak to yourself. Who are you talking to? I'm talking to myself to stay in line with my daddies. I said, Father God, I'm in you as you are in me. Without you, I can do nothing. But with you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm bringing your word back to you because you said you watch over your word to perform it. And then it cannot return unto you void. It must accomplish that which you please. What am I doing? I'm talking within the relationship. Can I make it natural for those who want to hear it in a natural way? What husband never says to his wife, I love you? What wife never says to her husband, I love you? What parent never says to their children, I love you? What child never says to his parents, I love you? Only a dysfunctional relationship would do that. <laughs> Only a dysfunctional relationship would not do what? Reciprocate, give back what is given. So if God is setting his love on me, and I'm feeling that love in myself, sensing the love of God, will I not reply back to him? Daddy, I love you, was my opening line for every prayer, three o'clock in the morning. The first words, Daddy, I love you. Before, no requests, no give me, no can I have, Lord, I want, no, I love you. Yes. That's the, that's the step one. If you're in a normal relationship, let's push that term, because I know people say, what is normal? You've got different variations, I know, people have a normal. But if you're, I'll say it this way, if you're in a healthy relationship, part of the first thing you say to the person that you are so-called in relationship with and love with is, I love you. Did you do the thing I told you to do yesterday? Good morning. <laughs> That's the, that the first thing I, did you, did you? No, I love you. Before anything else, can we start with that? So what do you think Daddy God wants to hear? The first thing out of your mouth. You've been asleep like a dead person. I've watched over you all night. And the first thing you say to me when you wake up is, can I have? How rude. How rude of you, you rascal. The first thing you should say is, Daddy, I love you. Thank you for another day. Thank you that I have my, my health and my strength. Hallelujah. <laughs> All the things you can do. And even the person lying in the bed in the hospital, as soon as their eyes open and they recognize who they are, Daddy, I thank you. I know my name. I may have a neck uh, uh, cast on from my neck to my toes, but I thank you. I can move my eyes. Only the person who's catatonic. And even then, if they even if they're in a coma, no one in a coma ever said that they were totally unaware of everything. Even persons who come out of comas have said, I can hear you guys talking. There are records of persons who come out of comas. People thought they were catatonic, they're gone, they're out, yet they can hear, they can experience. Why do people talk to babies in the wombs of mothers? Coochie coo, you'll be here soon. They know that that person, that spirit can hear. 
So God is dwelling in us in such a way that my every emotion and movement is not just monitored, it's shared with God. Look at the next line down, verse 18. I love this line. It says, there is no, hallelujah, fear in love. They will not mix. Fear and love cannot be mixed together. There is no fear. It's like water and oil. If you put one end and the other end, they will separate themselves. They will dwell independent. Even if you shake it up, the molecules, as soon as you finish shaking, they will separate. Fear and love will not dwell together. So if someone is walking in fear, it's because they're not walking in love. Let's be clear about it. Apprehension is not fear. Apprehension is a keen sense of awareness that there is a potential danger. I am apprehensive and I am therefore vigilant. If you come up to a fence, let's just put it in a natural term, and on the outside of the fence, there's this huge sign that says what? I know you already know. Beware of dog. <laughs> now if you can read, while you're resting on the fence, looking at the sign, you look to your left, you don't see a dog. You look to your right, you don't see a dog. Well, the sign says, beware of dog. Now, should I open this game and go in, use my faith? <laughs> or should I call someone to come out? Well, let's just open it and see what happens. So now, once I pass through the gate, I am now in the domain of unknown danger. I don't know. I saw the sign. I don't see the dog. Is the dog in the house? Is the dog behind the house? Is the dog somewhere right now watching me? So apprehension says there is a, a realistic possibility of danger. And you need to use extreme caution entering into that place. That's not the same as fear. Fear would be on the outside of the fence. Oh my God, there's a dog. There's a dog. Somewhere there's a dog. Oh, there's a dog somewhere. And you're breaking down and going crazy. And the dog is on the other side of the fence. You are being unrealistic. You're safe. The, 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 the fence is here. The dog is over there. Why are you panicking? Well, it can, it can, it can dig under the fence. But what if the dog jumps the fence? You're being cautious. Now, once you have gone into the domain of known or perceived danger, you have a reason to be observant of your environment. This happened to me in real time. That's why I gave this an example. Because the young people who wanted to ride the ponies, and I was the oldest of them, elected that I should go get the ponies. Where, where are the ponies? They're in the fence. Where's the fence? The fence is here. What's behind the fence? Dogs. But 
being the oldest, I thought, well, let me show them how to be brave. <laughs> I did not calculate the risk properly. I didn't see any dogs. There were no dogs. So I had one horse's bridle in my right hand, another horse's bridle in my left hand. For those who don't know what that is, that's the, the bit you put in the horse's mouth to turn it about. Got halfway into the yard and from out of nowhere come two dogs running at full gallop, barking, attacking. I, could, I was too far from the fence to get back and I was too far from the house to get to the house. I was caught in that no man's land in the middle. That's why I said they were probably watching me. It's calculated, then did a little bit farther, let him get a little bit farther. <laughs> and here they came, rah, 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 as I fell back against the wall and I, because I had the horses bridles, I was thinking if I had time to turn them around, hold the leather strap and swing the metal bits, I would have a good weapon because everything is a weapon. I was holding the metal and swinging the straps like whips, but the straps are light. There's no weight on them. So I'm hitting the ground. One dog is jumping on my right, trying to grab my throat. The other dog is jumping on my left, trying to grab my hand. And I'm battling, and all the little kids are standing outside the fence, watching. They're too young to help. Nobody cried out. No one went for help. So there I am fighting for my life, wondering why did I come in this fence? <laughs> I didn't calculate the risk. And just, I'm swinging, I'm swinging, and just as my strength is about to go, I feel a hand on my left shoulder in a tug group. And it's the, it's the owner of the horses. And he yells at the dog, get back! He grabs me with one hand and snatches me onto the porch. <sighs> and the dog scattered. He says, boy, are you crazy? <laughs> are you crazy? Those dogs could have killed you. I'm wiping sweat. I have no words because there's no, there's no breath. I'm wiping sweat. I look at him like this. I start to walk. I start to walk away. My mind is like, there's nothing you need to say to me right now. I understand everything clearly. You understand? That was a time to use discretion. So we're not saying that fear and apprehension or, or discretion are the same thing. They're, they're separated. Fear operates when there is no realistic threat. Now let me give you a good example on the other side. When should you doubt God? That's an easy one. Give me, give me the circ what circumstance in which you should doubt God? So anything that stands between me and God to make me afraid is illegal. Because if that thing can cause me to fear, my faith in God is gone. How do I know that? You just read it. There is no fear in love. And what is God? God is love. 
So if there's no fear in love, then there's no fear in God. If God is dwelling in me, there is no fear in me because God is in me and no fear can be in God and God is love. Do you understand? It's perfect logic. I can't be in fear. Why? Because love is in me. If love is in me, God is in me. Fear casts out love. Love casts out fear. They oppose each other. The story I gave you with the dogs is about caution and being observant and recognizing danger. It wasn't in fear. I was actually being very foolish not to take heed to a clear warning. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear hath torment. And that's why we gave you an example of someone freaking out and going crazy and worried about something that's not even possible. You're on the outside. God's got me. God's got you. He's holding you. He's keeping you. He that keeps you doesn't sleep or slumber. I have no reason to be afraid if God's got control of my life, my situation. Everything will be well with me. How do I know that? Because God, who is love, has got me. And if love's got you, fear cannot also have you. They, they, won't, they won't share. Either love has got you or fear has got you. This world is filled with persons who are deathly afraid. They're afraid of getting up. They're afraid of going to bed. They're afraid of being in their house. They're afraid of being on the outside of their house. They are living in fear. But fear and love will not mix. So if you introduce them to the love of God, fear would go away. And those pills they're taking would also go away. Because love will cast the fear out. Fear will torment a person's mind. Fear will torment a relationship. In that case we gave you earlier about the woman in Honduras, it was said that the husband didn't want her to leave. So he attacked her. I know it's a lame excuse. Many have used that excuse. If I can't have you, nobody's going to have you. You've heard the language. I don't want to be alone. You can't leave. You can't leave. Fear. Taking advantage of someone and tormenting them. An elderly person looks at the hours of their life and says, oh, my grandkids don't come around. My kids don't come around. Am I going to be left here all alone? Am I going to be by myself? Who's going to help me? Who's going to, and they begin to worry and worry. Fear opens the door to worry. They move together. Wherever there is fear, there will be worry. Worry will come. Who will worry bring? Worry will bring anxiety. Worry will bring depression. All of them will, will pile up on a person and tell them it's hopeless. You have no hope. Look, then look around you. There's nobody here. There's nobody to help you. Nobody cares. You're insignificant. You're not, you're not able to. That's fear. And he opens the door for everybody else. And they pile in on a person. Only love can break that. I know God cares for me. 
I know he looks after me. I know he provides for me. I know that there will be a way. I don't care what it looks like. There will be a way from God somehow. I don't care what they say. A way will come from God. I don't care if it's the last second of the last hour of the last moment possible. Something will happen because God loves me. You should be saying that God loves us. He will never leave us. Don't forsake us or abandon us. This is the truth. This is God saying, can I be your first love? I have loved you first. I have shown you. 19, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. He started the process. He began it. He, he set the emotions in motion. And from there, there's an expectation. Romans 5, 8 says, but God Commendeth. I love this language. You can learn this. I can learn this. But God commended his love towards us. What is that? That's an instruction. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Once he gives that command, once he sends his love, it is on an assignment. I can take the same exact method and I can set my love back on him. And I can set my love on others. The love of God. Agape, not eros, agape. Set that love, that phileo. I can have compassion on the sick, on the homeless, on the out of the way. You are in control of the love in your heart. The same way the father, he didn't have to love us, but he commanded his love. He sent it on assignment. Be on them forever. That's what he says. I can do the same to God. Daddy God, I love you forever. That's it. Doesn't matter what happened. Doesn't matter what I go through. Doesn't matter what I quote feel like. It's not down to my emotions. My emotions cannot detain my love for God. Daddy, I love you forever. That love triggers obedience. I love you. So therefore, I will do what you're asking me to do. We're living in loveless times. We've already given you examples. We've already talked about it a little bit. That people, when they are loveless, when they don't have the love of God in them, they act out of that loveless state. Revelations 2, 4 says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Why? Because thou hast left thy first love. In the book of Revelation, Jesus comes and he speaks to the seven churches that are in Asia as he's making his declaration here. He says, You have left your first love. That's the place you should never go away from. That's the place you should cling to. I don't care what else is happening. You should shake yourself, wake yourself, come back to your what? First love. If I was to read it, read it again for you, uh, verse 1, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus, Right, these things said he that holdeth the seven stars in his hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden sticks. I know thy works, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and have borne, and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, 
and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. After all that, he says, nevertheless, my God, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Now you're reading, you say, wait a minute. You did all these good works. You've labored. You've been patient. You are against those that are evil. You tried those who said they were apostles, found that they were liars. Man, you've been doing a lot of good works. However, after all that, you left your first love. So you can, you can be busy. You can be a very active worker. You can have a lot of things going on. But if you leave the first love, that is against God. That is against Jesus. That's against his heart. Doesn't matter all the other things you did. Keep your first love alive. Matthew 24, 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another. What causes this betrayal? And they shall hate one another. What causes this hatred? And many false prophets shall rise. What gives them access to rise? And shall deceive many. What causes persons to be deceived? And because iniquity, which is sin, shall abound... The love of many shall wax cold. Look at the root. Look at the root. People offended. People betraying one another. People hating one another. Bringing falsity. Lies. He's talking about those who are supposedly in the class of believers. Not the world. In the class of believers. This love has gone out. Wax cold. Therefore it gives rise to all these other things. If we're not filled with the love of God, we make ourselves open to every negative work. You begin to shut down and shut down. We are born of love, ladies and gentlemen. We are born of love. It's the love of God. That's what bursts us. That's what gives us our life is the love of God. Without that, we have nothing. We have religion. Without the love of God, you have religion. 2 Timothy 3, 1. This know also, what? That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. I could stop right there, but the scripture goes further. That one fragment of sentence. Lovers of their own selves. God pushed aside. God on the back burner, their neighbor on the side, focus on self, lovers of their own selves, manifesting how? Covetedness, bolsters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, you help, you do for people, they burp in your face and walk away, unholy, without natural affection, Truth breakers, I will be there. I will do this. I'll break their word in a minute. False accusers, you did it. I know you did. Incontinent, you know what it means to be incontinent. Thank God. I pray that none of us have had to wear diapers. If you had to wear a diaper, you can ask a baby, what's it like being incontinent? The baby says, hey, when it comes out, it comes out. That's the way it is. That's why he's wearing a pamper. He can't hold it. Incontinent, fierce, 
despises of those that are good, why would I despise someone that's good? Because there's no love there. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. I want what makes me feel good. I want to do that, not what God wants me to do. That is all because of a lack of love. Commitments mean nothing. Treaties mean nothing. Giving someone your word means nothing. Why? There's a lack of love. I could be angry about it, but it won't change anything. It won't change anyone. Matter of fact, it may even try to pull me out of my love walk. If I were to focus on all the people who have let me down, didn't do what they said, made a promise, broke the promise, I would be upset. I wouldn't have any love. I'd be like, oh, forget you. You told me this, you told me that, you told me. No, I cannot allow myself to be caught up in that. I'm going to walk. This is a personal statement. You have to make it or not. I'm going to walk in the love of God towards everyone, irregardless of how they walk towards me. That's a bold statement. That's a mature statement. So if I was to read that again, I would read it this way. Daddy God, verse 2, let me love you more than I love myself. Keep me from wanting the things of others and being covetous. Lord, let my boast and my brag be in you, not in myself. Take away from me all pride and arrogance of the flesh. I will not blaspheme your name. I will not attribute the works of Christ to Satan. I will not say the things that Satan is doing or things that Christ is doing. I will not blaspheme. Help me honor my mother and my father and not be disobedient to them. Keep me as an obedient child to them in the spirit of what they're telling me to do. I am thankful. I'm a grateful child. I'm not ungrateful. I appreciate everything you have done and are doing for me, Daddy God. Let me walk in your holiness, not my version of holiness, your holiness. Give me the natural affection I should have. Shouldn't I feel something for the ones I say I love? Shouldn't there be something there? You can go beyond that and take it to the homosexual community and say your affection is unnatural. It's not what God intended. Oh yeah, they'll shout at you. They'll throw things at you. Help them understand what God has said. Let me keep my word, Daddy God. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. If I commit, I'm going to stay committed. I'm not going to break my truces. I will not accuse my brother or my sister of something that I do not know. Assuming, or I had a feeling. No, it's not a feeling. Don't falsely accuse persons, Lord Jesus. Help me contain. If I see something or I hear something, give me the, the continence not to just explode or, or release myself. Without care or concern, you hear people say, oh, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. Let me tell you what I think about it. And they just open their mouth and broosh. Whatever comes up, just comes out. Broosh. They, 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 they're like an uh, a explosion in a forest of trees. Broosh. And all the trees just go. They have no confidence. They can't contain, can't hold anything. Father, help me contain myself. 
Keep me from being fierce, attacking, always on the attack, always the aggressor. No, give me that calmness to say, you know what, it's okay. I'm learning, Daddy God, it's okay. Why? Because there's no fear in love. And if you've got it, you've got it all. Help me trust you more. Let me not despise anyone who's doing good. If you see someone doing good, it shouldn't enter in your heart. Well, I could do it better. Oh, well, yeah, they're doing that. But if it were me, I'll know. You should be an encourager. Father, let me be an encourager of those that are good. If I see someone doing good, keep going. Encourage them. That's a good thing that you're doing. Go on. Keep me from being treacherous. There's nothing worse than a person who commits and then turns on you. I'm your friend today. I'm your friend for the next 15 minutes. But if you make me mad, I'll turn on you. No. Where's your faithfulness? Where is your faithfulness? Daddy, let me not be a traitor. Let me not be arrogant, heady. In my mind, I see myself better. High-minded above others. Finally, Daddy God, let me have no pleasure above you. Let there be nothing that I love or want more than you. No matter what it is. Someone said chocolate. I said, what? Yes, chocolate. That thing that you crave. Someone said sports. What? Sports? Yes. Entertainment. Well, the game is on. I would come to church, but... The match is on. <laughs> I want to see the game. Don't you understand? Love is a pleasure. More than love is of God. The sad part for me, I always see Noah's Ark. And when Noah's preparing to close the doors, they're down at the local pub getting their last orders. I'm getting over for the road. Get over for the road. What is that? What is that? What is that moisture? Hold on, hold that drink. Let me sit outside. Hey guys, something's coming from the sky. It feels wet. Did you leave the sprinklers on? Is that rain? Wait a minute, it's never rained before. What is this? So, Noah is now shutting the doors and putting the last of the pitch to seal up the entrance so that it won't leak. This is taking a long time. It wasn't like a, like a TV movie where like an elevator, you just close the door, boop, and that's it. No, <laughs> this was a process. And now they're sealing it with pitch so it won't leak. All this time, people are My pleasure. I got to get another pint in. I got to get another drink in. I have to enjoy myself. Life is for living. Life is for, for me to enjoy. And the door shuts and seals. And they all drowned. Because their pleasure was stronger. Right now. Right now. We're closing. We're closing. We're closing. Let me show you this last thing here. If we can get past here, then we'll be at a good place. Love is not blind. 
someone made a comparison for me that either you say love overlooks everything and therefore if you say anything you're not being loving I said no that's not correct love is not blind it's a popular saying oh love is blind no it's not love brings correction for whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he received Hebrews 12 6 that if he's going to love you, he's going to correct you. Because the way you are is not the way he wants you to be. Therefore, as a loving father, he will make corrections in us to get us to where he wants us. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. That we should not be condemned with the world. 1 Corinthians 11.32 What is he doing? He's judging us moment by moment in that particular thing that's displeasing to him. You see, God is holy. And there is no sin in God. Therefore, if you are in the presence of God, you must also be sinless. And since we can't do it on our own, he has to put himself inside of us to bring us into his presence and fellowship. Do you understand? And that process requires removing that which is not like him from us. So he corrects, he chastens, he judges, he purges, he removes those things that make us not like him. Paul told Timothy, preach the word, not suggestions. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Do what? Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Well, that doesn't sound very nice, uh, Mr. Timothy. That doesn't sound very kind, warm, gentle. No, I've been told by the Holy Spirit to reprove when someone needs to be reproved. To rebuke when someone needs to be rebuked. To exhort to, to push them towards the right way, to be long-suffering, patient with them as they are coming around to do what's right. 2 Timothy 4.2 tells us, let love be without dissimulation. Do not break it up. Don't give me a, a variation. So I love this guy this way. I love this lady that way. I love that little boy that way. No, no, no. Love should not be without dissimulation. It should be the same for everyone. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good in every case. In every case. Don't give that one a pass and, and say to that one, it's okay. Uh, you can carry on in your sin. But that one over there, I'm going to be hard on that one. No, it should be the same. That which is evil, get out, get rid of, remove. Don't do that. Hold to that which is good. Romans 12, 9. Concealment of one's thoughts, feelings, or character. A pretense. You should not pretend that I'm okay with you doing that. I'm not okay with that person doing that. No, it should be out in the open. The same for all. Amen? That's what the scriptures are saying. Love is not the acceptance of sin. 1 Timothy 5.20 
them that sin rebuke before all that others also may fear. This is the life in the church. There should be that which comes from God by the instruction that breaks up anything illegal. But in this age of highly competitive church structures, if you try to rebuke someone, they'll probably leave you and go to the church down the street where they don't talk to them like that. Let me do my stuff. Don't mess with my life. Don't talk to me about anything personal. Let me do what I want to do, and I'll come. If you say anything to me, bye-bye. <laughs> You're on your own. That's the age that we're living in. So you have to determine, am I going to be a truth teller? Am I going to love you for real enough to tell you the truth? Or am I going to try to tip around the truth? So you'll stay by, by my side, knowing that you have to face God at the end of this. And what God's going to tell you is going to be different than what I've been telling you all along. Love is not blind. Father, in Jesus' name, at the ministry of the Holy Spirit, you can stand with me. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Have his perfect love in the church, in the churches, in the body of Christ. Beyond these walls, Father God, inclusive of these walls, but beyond these walls, let love have its perfect work. Let every believer elect to make you their first love, you their priority. Forgive us, O oh God. If we have set anyone or anything ahead of you, even ourselves, if we have been selfish in a way that puts your word and your will aside so that we can do our own things, forgive us, Daddy God. Bring us back to our first love, as you told the church in Ephesus. Bring us back, no matter how many good works we have done, bring us back to our first love. You are our first Priority That we please your heart, Daddy God. That we do what is pleasing in your sight. That you would say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, at the end of our service here on earth. That you would invite us in because we have made a space for you to dwell. And have given you the leadership of our lives. Father, we are praying for everyone. We're praying for every believer to have this heart, that they put God, that they exalt you, Daddy God, above everything else, that you be their first love, that you take away home, that you take away family, take away job, and every other distraction that would keep them from that first love, that nothing else be a higher priority than your love in them and their love to you. Father, we're praying for every believer, and we know this is possible because you told us to do it. You are our first love, and we thank you for your patience and your mercy and your loving kindness. Now work in us to have that same loving kindness and patience towards others. Let the love of God not be cold in us, but alive and hot and warm for every believer. For every person, for every non-believer, let that love be alive, Daddy God. That we tell them about you. Yes. That we said Jesus is Lord. In Jesus' name. Find your neighbor, your friend. Tell them you are in the love of God.